1: From the unfind A little bit of fun is fine
2: All its soul they must align Together this one time Let's find the old-
3: messhire sei
4: with tears, whatever you do is with tears, and you reap with joy. But all Chassidim, all Yiddelach who knew the truth, who knew the secret of being real, they said, with tears and with joy, with joy and with tears. So join me one more time, friends. As
2: The son of Above, so I am new york. The son of all this honor, the son of Above, so I am Above, new york. Above, new york. Above, The sun New York The sun Shana haba, li 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 You I love you
5: everywhere I shut my eyes shut my ears me down for the way that I look, for what I wear, just this skin I bear, cause there'll come a time when all men and all men will live as one, at least I do believe, so I don't give up, I let my love shine bright. I will stand tall I put my faith in the only one I put my faith in these things that I've done put my faith in the only one And I put my faith in love put my faith in love But I won't give up It gets a little closer every day. May seem a million miles away, but it gets a little closer
0: every day. J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning. Oh, boy, these new headphones are booming. Unless it's, yeah, I think it's the headphones. But anyway, <laughs> nice to have a nice uh, new pair of headphones. Uh, Don't Give Up Friday morning with R.E.A. Kunzler, Bo Shabbos done by Yaakov Shwecki. You heard Mayor Sherman's Curry Bone. Sheves Achim and Lashana Habas, Shuva. At Shlomo Kalbach, Mayor Sherman's Proke, On a Messer, brand new from 8th Day, a song that we featured yesterday and really have gotten into over the last few hours. 8th <laughs> Day with a great in-studio performance here yesterday at JM And of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Friday on this November the 19th, day 15 in the month of Kislave, the year 5782. Tupshin Pei Bays, 10 days away from the great holiday of Hanukkah. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayishlach with candlelighting time at 4.14 in New York. 4.14 is candlelighting here in New York. It is early. It is early. 4.14 is your candlelighting time. And, um, yeah, I know, that is early. And um, make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, for many parts of the world, especially on this side of the uh, Uh, Or I should say, especially uh, right on the northern part of the globe, uh, chances are that Shabbos is a lot earlier than you were used to just a couple of weeks ago, so be careful about that. And again, in New York, 414. In Israel, I know that the Shabbos starts very soon after this program ends, because we end in Israel, J.M. in the AM at 4 p.m., and I know that the candle lighting is in the 4 o'clock hour for a lot of, for for everybody in Israel, at some point in the 4 o'clock hour, so... Make sure you know when things start where you are. Don't forget the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zomik, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That comes up at 10 o'clock. And uh, the final hour, the Arab Shabbos music mix, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem all day long. And the fi- final hour, of course, will be tomorrow. Wait, we'll tomorrow. Final hour will be today at about 3.15. <laughs> brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem as well, so keep all that in mind. 42 degrees, some sunshine, and a high temperature of 50. Clear tonight, low 37. Tomorrow, partly cloudy and a high. Of fifty degrees right now. Yushalayim is at sixty-two. We're at forty-two here in New York City in a Friday air of Shabbos at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, Malcolm Holine, executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, he'll join us coming up um, one hour from now. Rabbi Yudin, Harry Rothenberg, they've got comments about Parshas Vayishlach, no doubt, and uh, plenty, uh, plenty more happening as you would suspect between now and nine a.m. right here at uh, J.M. in the A.M. That's the uh, that's the latest. That's what we've got, and I appreciate everybody tuning in and being part of this amazing radio experience. Um, yeah. So that's the story. JM in the AM Friday morning, erev Shabbos with Mordechai Shapiro and his uh, brand new single here at the Malcolm Siegel Network.
2: A vulto que mulher é cantar. São Más mejor
1: Let's open.
6: i
7: Tim. How you do.
0: Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JM in the a.m. Aver Mosem, Lumen Diaspora with Zemiros. You heard of Freundlich's Lahodos, Wake Up Yidin, Done By Eighth Day. Yaakov Shweki's L'chaim. Abba, that was Mordechai Shapiro with his brand new one here at JM in the a.m. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget Malcolm Holmine, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations will be with us at about 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. Harry Rothenberg in the 7 o'clock hour, Rabbi Yudin in the 8 o'clock hour with comments about the uh, Parsha. Mark Zamek, and the Arab of Shabbos show at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Get ready for that. It's going to be quite a uh, presentation that I can guarantee you. (laughs) For those of you who heard it last night or early this morning, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Our friends at Gaia Coffee want everybody to know The easiest way to have a fresh brewed cup of coffee every single morning? And the answer, of course, is prepare a glass or a mug of boiling hot water and toss a Gaia Coffee brew bag right into that cup. Simple as that. Go to GaiaCoffee.com. G A I A Coffee.com. Again, G A I A Coffee.com. And make sure you have a. uh, Make sure you um, use promo code radio when you go to that website. You'll save. 15% on all the Gaia Coffee products if you use promo code RADIO. Simple as that. And you'll have a fresh-brewed cup of coffee early in the morning without the mess, without any difficulty whatsoever. What could be better than that? GaiaCoffee.com, G-A-I-A-Coffee.com. Make sure to use promo code RADIO. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world, of web, and com and the AchimSigle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Erev Shabbos Parshas by candle lighting at 414, everybody. That's 414 in the New York area. Make sure you know when things start where you are. After all, it is earlier than we've been used to over the last few weeks. I know last week already was the, uh, you know, I, I get that, but you know. Compared to what we've been used to uh, recently, it's pretty early. A lot of people can't believe how early, early Shabbos is. Someone made that comment to me yesterday. Didn't realize that early Shabbos is this early. (laughs) Anyway, be careful. Make sure you know your whereabouts uh, in the 4 o'clock hours. You can start Shabbos without any difficulty. Uh, That is a good piece of advice. Matis with JM Sunday this coming Sunday morning between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern time. It's live and it's amazing every single Sunday morning. Tomorrow night it's Avrami and Saturday night sequel with Harvey Eliezer Zwickler. Make sure to be tuned in as well for that um, start of the week presentation. Galitzal in the background. Galitzal Israel Army Radio. 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday erev Shabbos next to Jaimy. <laughs>
8: במשרד החקלאות זיהו בשני המשקים בארץ התפרצות של שפעת האופות, עם סיכוי נמוך להעברה לבני אדם. אחת ההתפרציות זועתה במשק תרנגולי הודו בעין בדרום, והשנייה במשק ברבזים בכפר ברוח בצפון. כתב המדעני בריאות, שי פרידמן, מוסר שבמשרד הבריאות פתחו בחקירה אפידמיולוגית, והוחלט על מתן טיפול מונע למי שבאו במגע עם בעלי החיים. וכחבופנאים בשנת ה-60 לחייו במצב קשה מפגיעת מכונית באשקלון במציבות הנחקרות אתה צוות מגן דוד אדום העביר אותו למרכז הרפואי ברזילי באיר מתיאס ברנא מאובק בין גיפה קורונה אמר היום שאם העלייה במקדם ההדבקה שהגיע בוקר לאחד תמשך יכול להיות שידרשו הנקות בציידים שונים כדי לצמצם את כתתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולגרג מעתקנת, כי בשלב זה הוא חולט בדרג המדיני על הערכות מצב בלבד, ולא על כינוס ועד התסרים לקורונה. הרמטכאל, רב אלוף אביו כוכבי, וראש חטיבת קשרי החוץ בצהל, תת אפי דאפרין, נפגשו הבוקר עם מפקד הצבא ההודי ביקורו בישראל. אומרים כי מטרת הביקור היא חיזוק שיתוף הרמת קלה עוד ינוחה בישראל בתחילת השבוע, וכיים שורות מזגשים נוספים יים בחרים ביצאל וו הביטחון. את בית החן. ידיא שמסר כתבנו הצפוי דורון קדוש. אוסטריה על מיום שני הקרוב, הראשונה במערב אירופה של הקורונה. בין בנוסף, תורם הממשלה בוויני לכל האוכלוסייה להתחסן מאחד בפברואר. כתב את חדשת החוץ, מיכל גלנץ, מציינת שגם בגרמניה שוקלים צעדים, ושר הבריאות של גרמניה אומר שלא ניתן לשלול הטלת סגר, כולל עבור אנשים שחוסנו. נזכיר שאתמול גרמניה הגיעה לסי נדבקים יומי מפרוץ המגפה, 65 אלף נדבקים. מזג האוויר ממטרים מקומיים מלווים בסופות רעמים יחידות ברוב חלקי הארץ. כתבנו בדרום, רמישני, מוסר שבערבה נרשמו שיטפונות קלים במספר נחלים. כתבנו בחיפה, קובי מנדל מציין, שמכצבת יחיאם פעילה כמאגר לקליטת קשמים ומניעת הגעתם לנהריה, ולפיחח קיים חשש לעלייה מירה במפלס המים במכצבה. הכניסה למקום אסורה ומסוכנת. בהמשך סוף השבוע, הטמפרטורת תימשך ללרדת. מחר, יימשכו הקשמים, לקיים חשש קל מהצפות במישור החוף. אלה החדשות שאורך ערן קורס.
9: Na,
2: na, 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 na.
7: Nafshi
9: am nafshi to go to
2: Saudecha nie davno, nie
0: Sham and the AM, Zevi Weinstock, featuring uh, Ari Zucker on Anim's Miro. It's done in memory of uh, Jay Aguilar, and it's a brand-new release. Uh, literally premiered less than a day ago, over 2,000 views on YouTube already. Really beautiful selection, of course, as you would imagine. Um, Ellie Schwebel with a uh, big role in there as well. Uh, before that, ABD with Anim Zemiroz. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayishlach, candlelighting at 414 in New York. Harry Rothenberg has a uh, comment or two about Parshas Vayishlach. Here he is at JM in the AM.
10: As the father, thank God, of twin boys, I'm aware of how epic their confrontations can sometimes be. But there's nothing like the confrontation between Yaakov, Jacob, and his twin brother, Esau, at the beginning of this week's Torah portion. Remember, they didn't just grow up together as kids. They were together until they were 63 years old, when Yaakov had to impersonate his twin brother, Esau, in order to get the blessings from their father that he deserved. Esau didn't see it that way. Felt betrayed by his twin brother, flew into a murderous rage. And so Yaakov had to flee. And now they're getting back together again for the first time in decades. And Yaakov is scared doesn't know whether his brother is going to hug him or slug him. may want to kill him. The Medrash explains that Yaakov has a very specific fear. He's worried that Esav might come against him with the power, the merit of yeshivas eretz Yisrael, the mitzvah of having lived in Israel. All these years Esav was living in Israel, Yaakov was outside the Holy Land. But one second, one commentator asks, is that really a worry? Esav's, yeah, in Israel, committing acts of murder and idolatry and immorality. Yaakov, granted, is outside the land, but he's observing the commandments even before the Torah is given. Does he really have to worry? And the answer is as follows. Esau could come against him with the following claim. I get it. You had to work for your father-in-law for seven years to get your wife's hand in marriage. And I'll even give you another seven years after your wily father-in-law-lovin tricked you and substituted Leah for Rachel. But what about those last six years? pal, brother of mine? You had to become a tycoon outside the land? Couldn't have been a shepherd back here in Israel? Is it really important to you living in Israel? Which begs the question, why did Yaakov wait those extra six years? You see that after Yosef was born, at the end of the 14 years, he was ready to come back. Ask Lovin permission to come back. Look carefully at exactly how Lavan responded to that request. He said, I have divined that God has blessed me because of you. It must have been awfully difficult for the righteous Yaakov, the patriarch, to have the evil Lavan as his father-in-law. He no doubt expended all sorts of time and energy trying to convince Lavan to repent his evil ways. It didn't seem like he had gotten anywhere over 14 years. But now wait, Lavan's mentioning God's name? Maybe he did make a dent. And so he decides, I'll stay some extra time. Maybe I can continue to make some headway with Lavan. And so when he prepares for the reunion with his twin brother, whom he hasn't seen in decades, he sends a message to Asaf, "Im Lavan Garti, I lived with Lavan." The commentators explain that if you shuffle the letters around in the word Garti, you get the word Taryag, the gematria, the numerical equivalent of 613, the mitzvahs. He's telling Asaf, I was still observing the 613 mitzvahs, even when I was with Lava. Which, of course, is plainly not possible. First of all, one person can't observe all 613. Second, many of them can only be performed in the land. So what's he saying? Here's what he's saying according to this commentator. He's telling Asaph, you may think that I abandoned the land. You may think that I gave up on it. Au contraire. Not a day well, went by when I wasn't thinking I was about the done. six. 113 mitzvahs observing the ones that I could observe outside the land and waiting for the chance to get back into the land to observe them here particularly the ones that I can only do well here my heart was here the entire time never wavered never once did I take my mind off of the Holy Land and yet he was still worried because since he didn't get anywhere at the end of those 20 years with Lovin maybe the outside world it looked like an excuse It looked like he had no reason not to come earlier. And so maybe Asa would have that claim against him. And so now we have to ask ourselves, are we making excuses? In case you haven't heard, Israel, for the first time since closing them at the beginning of the pandemic, has reopened its borders. So let's not make excuses. Let's get on a plane, at least to visit, if not to stay longer.
5: Jews in this town. He said to me, There used
11: to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling
5: down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay
2: with us for Shabbos Minion Man?
5: I the bus in Mobile, Alabama the sun was slowly setting on the bay It was six o'clock on a summer Friday afternoon Shabbos was an hour away I walked around the town wondering what to do But Shabbos, there's no time to be feeling blue Shabbos Minion Man We walked down Winston Avenue A block then
7: two
2: more we Went into a shop that read Closed on the door there was, there was a Minion in the back Of a hardware store Nine men waiting for one more We ushered in the shop. The chazan had a voice that was clear and strong. We sang out as one. Well. Ich
5: about it every now and then cause the place is still dear and when I make this trip through Mobile once every
7: year I remember the men who prayed here now the minion is gone, a few died some
2: moved on but the back of the store still remembers the
5: song the nine men who waited to one came along how Shabbos was carried on a song. Oh, I asked
2: the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But For Shabbos, Minion Man Oh, won't you stay with us For Shabbos, Minion Man Three, won't you stay with us For
0: Shabbos, Minion Man JM in the AM with Shalak Rock Lenny Solomon and Company and Minion Man Uh, Before that, Leif Dahar with Im Lovangarty After Harry Rothenberg went into the Im Lovangarty Uh Analysis, uh, you knew I had to play that one. Leif Daharim, Lavan on the on a Friday morning Erev is Parshas Vayishlach here at JM in the AM. Our friends at A&H, Abels and Hyman, remind everybody that you've got a 10% discount with promo code radio on all Abels and Hyman products when you visit their website at kosherdogs.net. Kosherdogs.net, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abels and Hyman with the most delicious products you can imagine. If you haven't checked them out yet, head to your local supermarket uh, especially the all-kosher supermarkets. They've got amazing displays of a A&H products and enjoy all the delicious uh, items uh, that they offer. Uh, A&H, kosherdogs.net, 10% discount with promo code radio. Keep that in mind. Also, our friends at ArtScroll have a, a uh, wonderful Hanukkah sale going on now until the middle of December. And believe it or not, you can save, save, save with promo code radio with a great discount. And with free shipping on any amount, all you got to do is go to uh, artscroll.com. They have so many of the great, brand new books that are available now. Some of which we've um, featured on this program, and um, uh, you can go there and save with promo code radio. Go to artscroll.com. You know the rule: always use promo code radio. It's as simple as that. Ellie Marcus next. J.M. in the
2: A.M. Then they do Shino veniva cheia, chi se rila sei chi se i I don't feel you mean to be born, and I'm a dog. I'm not a dog. I'm
0: Leif Tahar, Lachad Eli Marcus before that, Rofe Neman and Shay Bunen. Of course, Schlockrock had Minion Man. Friday morning, of Shabbos. Don't forget our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. If you're looking for an amazing resource to... Um print out, and then be able to read over Shabbos thousands of articles regarding Israel and the Jewish world. You want to go to jewishworldreview.com. Again, jewishworldreview.com. Simple as that. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Friday, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time with the Weekly Update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the A.M.
11: Thank you. It's good to be back with you.
0: Appreciate that. And welcome back from Israel. We both had the privilege of being there this week. And uh, one thing I did notice, by the way, and this is outside of the whole uh, of the whole nefesh-benefesh thing, and obviously the the short time I was there was dominated by that event. But now I'm getting it a little bit more, and I'm getting it from uh, people in hotels. I'm getting it from people on the street. I'm getting it from people in cabs. Um, As much as we think that tourism to Israel is such a key and such an important part of the economy, and such an important part of the entire Israel-Diaspora relationship, the Israeli government in 2021 I don't think feels the same way. And keeping people out who might be bringing in COVID or one of its new variants is a much bigger priority. And by the way, to their credit, that's why I think we could say they've bent over backwards to allow people to move to Israel— from the diaspora during COVID, but they have not bent over backwards to relax rules enough to make it really easy to visit Israel during COVID. What do you think of my assessment?
11: Uh, it's true in Israel. It's true in many countries. You saw Austria shut down today. Other countries shut down because they find that it you, you can't control who brings it in effectively, and you try to focus on control over the virus uh, spread. We see it amongst the children now and thank god it's usually not serious but it's uh you know the variance and the the difficulty they have governments have in trying to control it because the economic costs beyond tourism are staggering and the um you know you just think of all the pcr tests and i think in the last month they've taken 15 because <laughs> <laughs> every time i went and what came from a country you know i had to go through this whole process again and again and then You know, it's an employment program for a lot of people, but it's, you know, it's very costly in the administration of uh, the vaccines, et cetera, let alone the hospital costs and the loss of um, hours at work. So that every country is willing to sacrifice uh, tourism um, and and in Israel's case and in most others, they they offer subsidies to the hotels and to the workers who were laid off that makes up the bulk of the. Of their losses,
0: right. they they feel bad for the cab drivers, but that's but it's not enough. They're they're trying to take care of as many people as possible in the industry, but uh, it's not enough to reopen everything. I just wonder, in all seriousness, if this was twenty thirty years ago, when the impression is that tourism was really an important revenue arm for Israel. You think it would have been handled differently, or this is basically the way it would have been handled?
11: I don't know what the science was then and the precautions that would have been taken. Uh, but, but we don't dismiss tourism is vital for Israel, and Israel was on the way to a record year before COVID broke out. You have to understand that it's the people you know see the hotels, they see maybe the cab drivers, but you have to think of the suppliers and um, and the importers and the people who provide the services to hotels, uh, and then the visits to the to the sites, which um, depend upon entrance fees or. You know, people visiting, buying stuff that enables them to sustain them. It has ripple effect throughout the economy. Aside from the psychological effect that when the streets are empty, people feel isolated and alone, yeah. and the the political message outside the country that uh, that people aren't coming to visit. Right. These these are all ramifications of tourism that people generally don't. Don't assess when they think about what the losses are.
0: All right. So, and I'll wrap it up with this. But the, the with the assumption, and I think this is the feeling I got from most people there, uh, with the assumption that Israel's really not going to change their rules much in the next few months. We're, we're 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 likely not going to have a 2022 record-breaking
11: year for tourism. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's well. I do think that the rules will change as people as we see what happens over the winter months when people anticipate an uptick. But uh, I don't think immediately we're going to see any real change.
0: Yeah. What can you tell us about this deal that's uh, that's coming down, Israel, Jordan, and the UAE, what they're calling a solar energy water swap. And how unusual is it, if in fact it is unusual, for Israel and Jordan to be involved
11: in the, some type of agreement like this? Well, it's interesting that you picked up on it because very few people have it. I think it's very significant. And it goes along with a number of developments of this kind. And the more you build interdependency in the region, the more likelihood is that peace sticks and that people see the benefit of it and the uh, uh, relationships uh, extend. And people will see from this um, deal, which which you're about to sign, uh, it's a massive solar farm in the Jordanian desert. And what it will, the deal will make uh, was really an outgrowth of the Abraham Accords, and um, I know John Kerry made some phone calls to King Abdullah and the Lapid. and it's it's expected to be signed on Monday in Dubai by the officials from the countries. It will increase uh, the relationship between Israel and Jordan, which in the last few weeks seems to have gotten much warmer and better, as after a period of uh, you know a lot of tension. But it will help ease the water crisis in jordan israel will build a desalination plant it will be powered electricity will come from the solar field it will then enable water to go to jordan from mediterranean it jordan itself is too far to do it to build its desalination plants in jordan and it was originally going to be signed at the cop 26 uh, but prime minister bennett asked to postpone it until after the vote on the budget because he didn't know what the Mm. reaction would be but it's actually quite positive and so israel needs renewable energy but doesn't have the land for massive solar farms jordan does jordan needs the water can't build the desalination plants in the southern part of the country therefore israel's coastline much closer everybody benefits
0: can we now say i mean to a degree they have been uh, um, uh, informally because of the peace deal with Israel. But can we now say that Jordan is part of the Abraham Accords?
11: I would say that uh, I- I Abraham, uh, they've become a more integral part. The, in the recent exercise, the blue flag exercise, in which many countries took place, and which is one of the remarkable developments that almost nobody notices the, the amazing amount of interaction that is taking place between various countries beyond the Abraham Accords with Israel in um, in military exercises. The blue flag exercise was an Air Force one, and the Air Force commanders from a number of countries, including the UAE, uh, participated. But what wasn't announced is that there were two jets from Jordan in the exercise. And we also saw the Fifth Fleet. We saw a carrier come to uh, a lot for a week doing joint exercises. We've seen at least a dozen different ones, which is really worth talking about. Uh, but this this is the biggest blue flag multinational air force exercise, and the fact that Jordan joined is really uh, um, important symbolically and practically. And, and I'm sorry the, the, the countries and people ask why. That what is the importance of it? They learn to work together. They integ- They learn each other's tactics. But more importantly. It's a message that is sent to Iran that here are all the countries around you joining in this kind of exercise. And then we have naval exercises with European countries and others joining as well. It's a significant message. And the fact that you have people coming together and you see the array of flags that that were flying at some of these exercises, it's, it's a radical change. So I think Jordan is beginning to reach out. In ways that it hadn't for a long time, and hopefully, it it's really will bear significance.
0: I wish I had it in front of me, but the, with all the enthusiasm you're describing, and I and, and um, it, with all the enthusiasm you're describing, Jordan was hesitant. I read it somewhere. Jordan was hesitant to make too big of a deal about this.
11: No, they it, kept it secret. That's what I'm saying. Right, that it wasn't made public until people looked up in the sky and saw two Jordanian planes. <laughs> right. You can't hide them when they're flying over you. Right. And, you know, it's not an underground subway. <laughs> right. and, but but the fact that they were there, he was there, others are there. Uh, I met with the Bahraini ambassador, and he, he, they're all talking in such upbeat terms. But, uh, yeah, I do think that uh, it's a significant change in the part of Jordan.
0: Malcolm, not to get too philosophical, but just for a second, I mean – 25% of European Jews say they're going to have to leave Europe because of anti-Semitism. We see what's going on in this country, yet Israel continues to to have warmer and warmer relationships with their mortal enemies. It's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible dichotomy that's going on now.
11: Right, and we should remember. Look, things change can change dramatically in the Arab world. There's no guarantees that come with the with right. the developments that have taken place, but the enthusiasm is growing. You know, the trade with with UAE will, will reach a billion dollars this year. It's estimated, and remember, you're starting from almost zero. Yeah. And even countries that are not part of the Arab courts are reaching out. I know I speak to some of them, their representatives, and they all want ways to get into to the relationship um, uh, with Israel. Uh, The solar deal is only one. Look at Egypt and Israel doing joint stuff in the Sinai. Uh, Israel and Jordan uh, working along the Syrian border in cooperation really, a lot of stuff at the same time, you see the flare-up in Gaza, the flare-ups in the West Bank, you see the, the tensions that are increasing. These threaten Jordan as much as they do Israel. Yeah. And, and you know, the countries that are on the outside, some of them even who played a little bit of hostile roles, have approached us about wanting to be party to some of the things that are going on.
0: Yeah. I would think that all of this would make Jews more comfortable around the world, like the State of Israel, made Jews more comfortable around the world, like the IDF made Jews more comfortable around the world. It's funny that that we are in such precarious situations in the diaspora, and all this, you know, m- more of a warm relationship is happening in the Middle East. I think it's just
11: I, I pointed out many times, I think that uh, in speeches, and that if you look at the world, anti-Semitism is growing dramatically here in Europe, in almost every country in Europe. The number of physical assaults increasing. The only place we see a decrease is in the Abraham Accord countries yeah. where it's not yet good. And remember, you have six decades of inculcation of hatred. There right. are seven decades. Uh, but now you see the changes and how people are greeted in these various countries and the um, uh, willingness to open up and and. Rediscovered Jewish institutions, the Bahrain, the shul that was, I don't know, eighty years, a hundred years old, and in Muslim countries where they're now uh, emphasizing the Jewish history of twenty-five hundred years, it's a, it is a change, and and uh, we hope that I certainly have the visions of how you we build on this, and we can change the whole region with it.
0: It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, it, it, I, I read somewhere this week that pay to slay is coming to an end. I'm wondering if one has to do with, first of all, is that true, which you'll tell us in a second, and then I'm wondering if this has to do with it, that if, it, it, that even the mortal enemies of Israel realize that they better have a little bit of a different attitude toward things as as countries like Jordan and others keep warming up to Israel.
11: No, I don't think it's true that pay to slay will end. It may be revised, and therefore that they don't pay directly, but they they find these indirect ways. But as far as I know, uh, till now, they have not, the PA has not decided to, to eliminate it. Quite the opposite. I saw statements by members of the government reinforcing it and saying this is their obligation to the martyrs and to their families. So I would be very surprised. I know that there is a lot of pressure being brought to bear on them and that money is being withheld from them, which is the best incentive to get the Palestinians mm-hmm. to move? Not on principle or, or or values, but because, you know, the the pocketbook and the unrest amongst the people is increasing, and this builds pressure on the the central government that the that the you know young people, especially who who are not being employed, who talk about all the billions that come in that they never see, and there's a fear inside about a civil war for universities. In in the West Bank were were closed. You don't see it written up in the paper. But because of violent clashes, not with Israelis, but between them, between the clans, between the different student groups, and they they um, they even closed Al Quds because of the, the when when um, masked gunmen came there and started opening fire at the cars of students and lecturers, uh, and it was a fight over a parking lot near the university. But it's reflective of the tensions. You know, 20 houses and businesses were born were burned in, uh, especially in Hebron, by mass gunmen. Again, reflecting this this tension, and it's not the uh, because of Israelis living there or nearby. It's because there are no Palestinian security forces nearby.
0: Yeah. So at what point does the PA make a, a, a sudden shift? Will it be when, uh, when Saudi Arabia is part of the Abraham Accords? Like, can something happen in that region of significance that would in fact get them to uh, change their policy on pay to slay and other uh, anti-Israel sentiment?
11: Well, one thing would be the end of Abbas's rule, you know, at his age, in mid-80s, he, he, you know, he's always uh, reported to be near death, or at times, but, or it, it could be political death, not just physical death, right. but um, and he survives, met? and, I mean, he's doing nothing for the country, for the people, for the, for the uh, community of countries in the region, he doesn't cooperate with them, they, they are all frustrated, they're all walking away, they're cutting their aid, so, um, he uh I think that that is one potential uh, way, but I think it would lead to a period of real chaos, which is very dangerous for zoom because then you get you know people wanting to up the the toll in violence because they think that gains them popular support and popularity amongst the people um so uh, uh, from the internal situation is really building pressure on them and it can disrupt in in even more violent ways beyond the campuses in the cities as we saw it's it's happening in gaza too where there's massive uh, unrest amongst young people and because they they have no jobs and they uh, you know the, even the vaccines they go to the hamas people first until the, the regular people get it they see the disparities uh so there are things that could happen that would lead to change but also it leads to instability
0: and who knows who's next right
11: Everybody knows. Right, with the everything. most interesting story I, that I think I saw, which was, and it's interesting they didn't get negative reaction, was that Basim Eid, who's uh, called a human rights activist, a Palestinian rights activist, filed a complaint in the, the Division of Human Rights here in New York against uh, KANOPCO, which is um, which is US, U.S. division of Unilever. Against Ben and Jerry's, (laughs) charging (laughs) that it's counterproductive to peace and creates hatred. And he he said the gangsters behind the BDS movement are causing a lot of damage to the Palestinians. And yet, of course, that will not make the New York uh, Times. Oh, (laughs) no
0: question about that. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Round the world, the web at com, and the Alkumsigl Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. The drone strike on the United States military base in southern Syria last month was apparently retaliation by Iran for Israel's strikes in Syria. Is this in fact a way to bring the United States into this uh, Iranian-Israel war?
11: No. They know that the United States is not going to uh, engage... Directly, we, you know, we have a minimal presence of a number of troops in Syria and Iraq, and their presence, though, is very significant. The goal there is to drive them out, is to force public opinion and pressure the administration <clears> to <throat> withdraw our presence, which is symbolic but very significant. And right now, this is a very complicated situation. We could use the rest of the next two hours just about Syria because you have Russia, Iran, and Turkey fighting each other, Each one, or every combination of two, trying to force the third out, and the um, the raids that are taking place. Israel continues, obviously, to target, uh, but in very specific ways, shipments that Iran or stockpiles that Iran has sent of weapons to in Syria on its way to Hezbollah or to be used. In fact, this week they, they caught guys with bags of cash. Uh do you know that? Bags of dollars in southern Syria that Iran was sending in to pay for people Iranians, Pakistanis, Iraqis, others, to buy them houses because they're really dealing in ethnic cleansing and trying to create facts on the ground before there's any kind of resolution because they all see that Assad is, is is going to remain and Assad wants to try to get out all of these guys from his country, you know, and regain control over the whole thing. Uh, and Russia obviously wants to try to force the others out as well.
0: It's funny. It's an immigration situation. It's an immigration problem. One power against the other. One ready to fund housing for these people, the other one wanting them out of the country.
11: Well, they want them out, but but they have been doing this all along. They, mm. they have really ethnically changed, bringing in all these Shiite populations. Yeah. And the fighters, because the fighters who are fighting for, for Iran, they are, are not Iranians. They don't die for them. They They, they hire these other people. To be to to die for for them, so the the internal situation in Syria has really become uh, uh, very bad. It's obviously very tense, um, and the, uh, the growth of the uh, Turkey is continuing going after the Kurds. They're obsessed about the, the Kurds. The Iranians want to retain the position, especially near the Golan. We know that they built up these militias and are continuing to sponsor them and Hezbollah. So while Syria has gained control over more and more areas, there's a lot of fighting still going on. There are still populations, you know, uh, resistance populations in the areas they do control. But the battle is really between all of the parties uh, today.
0: And the United States, I mean, just to reiterate what you said, because the reaction that you had was that they're, they're not really being drawn into this and that they'll continue to monitor things on a diplomatic level, I assume.
11: They are working on a diplomatic level. I mean... I think people accept the fact that Assad is not going to be driven out, right. and the question is how do you create a stable situation because further destabilization means millions more of uh refugees. Jordan actually opened its border with Syria after being closed for five years or so at a big loss to them because they can't export goods to to Syria, but they also close it because the a million and a half people from Syria have come into Jordan or refugees there. Plus, you have all over, and the Syrian population that goes to Turkey, and, and Erdogan has weaponized the Syrian pop, uh, immigration, and he threatens Europe with it all the time that he will open the gates and just flood Europe with more refugees. Let alone exciting the millions of Turks who live in in uh, Germany. Uh, you know, they say if he gets a cold, Germany gets pneumonia. It's <laughs> it's it's really a serious situation because that's how he can uh, enforce some of the. Uh, of the goals that he is instituting and, and, you know, it's pretty radical. We did have the positive development this week with the couple from Israel. Uh, And I think he also feels the pressure of being left out of a lot of developments in the region.
0: Oh, that's interesting because if, if, um, I don't know how another leader would have handled it, but he certainly was, I mean, we could use the term holding them hostage, right? It, It was a hostage situation
11: it's not completely clear i uh, i spoke to turkish officials even as late as yesterday and um one is i i heard from one who's very close to erdogan that he was very angry about it he did not know this was not his decision uh and it was more complicated about what pictures and stuff but n- nothing clearly that amounted to espionage and you know like tourists sometimes get right. carried away or things happen right. i'm not saying they did i'm just saying that that's People should always remember uh, when they travel to be careful. Yeah, uh, but, <laughs> in, is, in, but is,
0: in Israel, a friend of mine who's a resident of Israel was once taking pictures of the president's house for a book that he was writing, and he was taken in by authorities and, well, and questioned. So, yeah, I mean, you, you have, have to, you strange have, friends. <laughs> well, you have to be careful. <laughs> but you're right; you have to be careful. You, know, you don't think that something you're doing innocently can be perceived, you know, in the, exactly the opposite way.
11: We actually. Got reports of somebody taking pictures here of infrastructure and in Jewish schools, and police arrested him. And it turned out that he was a uh, he was potentially dangerous. And so he, we don't and, dismiss and here, it. it's just, Everybody's not a tourist, but you're right that that's the real message. Right, but
0: just to be clear, because we have people everywhere, uh, here means Brooklyn. When you say that, you're talking about Brooklyn, New York, where that happened.
11: Um, it it ha- actually happened along the East Coast. Oh, on the right.
0: East Coast, oh, here, meaning in the United States, Got the United it. States.
11: <laughs> but, but it was years ago and huh. and but it does we continue to get reports, and you know you can't dismiss it because that's what terrorists do they they scope places, they look at it, It doesn't mean everybody taking a picture of a building is right. is a terrorist, and we don't overreact can you uh, yeah I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Now, I was going say, can you tie up the previous issue for me for a second because the the Jordan development and the you know the movement again uh, to the warmer relationships that we were talking about earlier. Uh, the rumors about Saudi Arabia becoming an official partner in the Abraham Accords. I mean, I, I don't think there's, I don't think that there's a, uh, a more open secret than that one. But no, nonetheless, there never seems to be a timetable, never seems to be a reality, never seems to be a desire uh, in
11: Saudi Arabia to get it done, so to speak. Does
0: any of this bring it closer?
11: Uh, you're right about there not being a timetable. Uh, some people say the timetable is when the king leaves that he is very much opposed to it and ah. the is 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 in favor of it but he, there's no guarantees about what succession what will take place um, uh, but there there is a difference of views they they do and there is increasing interaction without recognition yet right uh, i think the interaction is more important now then, then than the the formal recognition thing, right. at this stage, but it will there were are other countries like Oman and others, but everybody has reasons why they don't want to go all out but will engage in an increased trade will engage in other exchanges um on an increasing level. Yeah. Saudi Arabia is a complicated country, remember that the, the 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 internal situation he has a lot of opposition uh and I think he's uh He's reluctant to make the move. When I spoke to him even years ago, he he was very much planning on it and want to benefit from Israel's technology. I mean, they, it's not just a one way street. They they gain a lot, and okay. certainly you see the tourism that uh, is chomping at the bit. You open the gates of Saudi Arabia, you'll probably have a hundred thousand Israelis the first week wow. just going there. Wow! But and, but and and look at at the expo, tens of thousands of Israelis have visited the expo in the UAE. Right. So are it, there's immense uh, there are a lot of benefits to come from it but uh, they're all afraid of iran they're afraid of it being of, of iran exploiting this with the pop population and and exciting them against the the government so they have a variety of considerations i think it it takes a lot of courage and hopefully it'll be there to to make the move the bold move morocco did it and they seem to be very pleased with the results and flights are starting, you know, daily flights between um, Morocco and Israel, as there are between UAE. Egypt, the relationship seems to be warming up. Countries where it was a, peace, a cold peace, see from the examples of the UAE that you've got to make it a warm peace. You've got to involve the people. You have to see the benefits. You have to enhance it.
0: Understood. What do you think of the, uh, um, of the candidacy of Gaddafi's son for president of Libya?
11: Um well they think they've been rehabilitated and Libya is such a mess, you know, you have warring factions, you have uh or three, four countries on one side and three or four countries on the other side, Italy included, and um uh, Turkey and, and Iran and others are all playing a role there. Uh it's very destabilized. You have uh Haftar and his um his son stopped in Israel, by the way, on the way from the UAE back to Libya. And offer diplomatic recognition in exchange for arms and other things from israel uh so it's uh it's a very fluid situation. People can announce a candidacies nobody knows how what the seriousness of that will be uh Gaddafi uh still had his adherents, uh but uh, the son whom I actually met in years ago um I don't know that he has a real political base to do it. It's it's a it's a reflection, though, of the fluidity of the situation in in Syria. That the, you know, the general Haftar's forces, you know, there constantly conflicts going on between them. Egypt obviously has a big stake in the outcome. and Turkey, others. Uh, so I, I wouldn't, you know, look at just the headlines. It's it's the reality on the ground that's going to matter.
0: Um, Malcolm, um, nine years ago. A book came out questioning the um, massacre at Darya Sin, and it seemed like it was accepted as a you know, legitimate work. I, I can't remember everything about nine years ago, but, uh, but I remember that uh, it at least was uh, allowed to be discussed. Uh, a book comes out this week on the same topic, and it's completely canceled, and the reaction on social media is uh, uh, you know, to, uh, to the point where I don't know if the publisher might even regret having published the book. That's how bad the reaction has been. In addition to that, we see what the BDSers are trying to do with Justin Bieber and trying to get him to not go to Israel to perform. Mm -hmm. We see that organizations uh, under the name Jewish Voice for Peace and many other creative names that I'm sure you're more familiar with than I am are inviting outrageous individuals to be their guest speakers when it comes to, um, uh, to their events. I know that, that not all of this is related completely, but to me it seems in a general way as one big topic about what's happening out there uh, in the world vis-a-vis Jews and Israel. What could you tell us about uh, about any of this?
11: Well, first of all, BDS is a vehicle for anti-Semites, for anti-Israel, it's not a question of economic justice, it's not a question of, of any other beneficial outcome of it, it's it is anti-Semitism. It's, it's, Discrimination and prejudice against a particular country it's the collective jew it's a way of giving expression that people deem legitimate that you call for this kind of boycott, but it really challenges israel's right to exist that nobody should fool themselves about it yeah. that's why the Ben and Jerry's and all these things are important um that that it's a message and once you allow this kind of cancer to proliferate and and you don't um challenge it then it's it it, it only continues to be uh, a greater and greater challenge. I saw a letter that representatives of uh, Peace Now sent to to uh, important leaders, uh, asking them to sign a petition against Governor Hochul in New York and against the uh, actions being taken uh, by uh, the Napoli controller, say controller, against Ben and Jerry's and against you know removing the funding uh, from uh, owning of ownership of uh, stock in Unilever, the parent body of of Ben & Jerry's action that was taken also in Texas, Arizona, Virginia, other states as well. Uh, So sometimes, you know, they, I mean, and this should be something that should be universally condemned, is the boycott of Israel, the singling out of Israel, and BDS engages in campaigns to delegitimize Israel. I'm afraid that people don't take it seriously enough it's The economic impact is not the primary issue. It's the political impact. It's the giving a, a legitimate expression to an illegitimate point of view. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything Israel does or its policies. This is about Israel's right to exist.
0: You know, that the it seems every day, and I'm sure you get this, every day there is some group that has to do with the title of Jews or Zionism or defending Israel or peace, whatever it is, Every day they're announcing a panel with some outrageous people on that panel and they or they're announcing guest speakers who do not belong in a forum like that. And it, it just it's non stop.
11: It is nonstop and it's especially true on the campuses which don't, isn't always visible to the general populace. You see it if it's um, you know, they take out ads in the paper, but you don't see the ads for the events that are taking place on campuses across the country. And it's like whack-a-mole, you know, you hit one down there and and then it pops up somewhere else. Universities that have taken uh, steps against it, but most, you know, are high behind the free speech and academic freedom. But they don't talk about the academic freedom to bring pro-Israel speakers or to to protect the rights of Jewish students on campuses. And that's why we engage in many Jewish organizations working together to try to counter it and to protect Jewish students, provide legal counsel uh, and other things. Because this is not to be dismissed. This is—they uh, found this vehicle as a way that they can carry out their political objectives uh, against Israel and against Jews, in, including those with "Jew" in their name, um, yeah. who obviously don't care.
0: Yeah. Uh, what gets me—and I don't know if you'd agree with me on this one or not—but uh, because sometimes you'll, you might say that they have a counterbalance and are able to actually provide another side. But it, what gets me is that there are panelists who I, I'm shocked are, are are willing to appear with with these other panelists that we're describing. But again you might say that you know that they feel that they're there to you know to, to, to present a balanced point of view or to present I don't know you know a defense of Israel um, I, I don't know it just, it's just shocking to me that in some of these cases uh, people I wouldn't expect to appear with those types of speakers are in fact doing so.
11: I think that's exactly their reasoning and that, that you don't leave the field open and that for those students who come with an open mind, let's say, or, or pe- audiences that come with an open mind, they got to give them a counter voice. But, you know, it, it's a debate each time about whether people should or should not participate in, in those kind of uh, events. And, and you know, it's a decision that has to be made on an individual basis, both by the people and for the particular events that are are. Uh, being sponsored.
0: Legitimate to question what happened to Darius Sin or not?
11: It's legitimate to discuss it, but it was so distorted and, you know, became a rallying point right. uh, against Israel. And, you know, places like the UN uh, exploited. And, you know, we're facing now the UN Human Rights Council is being asked by the Palestinians to devote $5 million a year and to hire 25 people for permanent investigation of Israel. The United <sighs> States is proposing $2.5 million and, and five people. Uh, it should be zero people and zero dollars. This is outrageous. And the fact that U.S. abstained on the vote in the U.N. is disappointing. Uh, but the, the idea that one country will come under permanent investigation is is so ludicrous. So the U.N. then legitimizes a lot of the, the criticism, the attacks, etc. by this. We see it in UNESCO. We see the textbooks. They still use UNRWA. Uh, so when the international body engages in this kind of stuff, we shouldn't be surprised by the ramifications in in parts of the world you, afterwards.
0: You're just back from Israel, so I can't uh, end without asking you: um, Are you getting the impression there that uh, Naftali Bennett has a strong government, a stronger than was government? How would you classify it?
11: You know, it it, it is a, it's lasted and it got through the budget. That was a critical right. uh, stage. People. I think have aren't looking at an election soon. They want stability. I don't think it's just about Bennett or Lempira. It's that they want stability. They want a stable government. Uh, they, uh, there's a lot of opposition within Likud to Netanyahu. There, there's opposition in other ways too. That it's a fragile government, and every one of the parties holds the government over, uh, you know, particular interests or special interests that they have. You see what the uh, Arab parties were able to get in terms of funding, huge amounts of funding and assistance. So it's, it, there's no guarantee with it. I think it lasted longer than a lot of people predicted so far. Yeah. Now they're talking, and he has talked about, the fact that they will actually go through with the, uh, mid-year, the mid-term uh, change. But in Israel, you know, there's no guarantees. There are issues that could, could bring down the government. And the, the you know, the changes in the religious areas and other areas, all of them are are very, um, every one of them could become somewhat contentious, although there seems to be consensus amongst the larger population for wanting uh, some of these changes.
0: I'm starting to believe that uh, Israeli media doesn't like any of them.
11: <laughs> it's true because that's what And American media too They play the negatives They never right. will talk up the positives Because that's not what sells newspapers That's not what media And in Israel it, the media is very politicized As increasingly media here is Yeah.
0: Um. Next week is Friday of Thanksgiving I think I'll be here You'll let me know if you want to do an update at that point point. And I appreciate
11: happy, it Happy Turkey to everyone yes. And a good Shabbos
0: and-, <laughs> and a good Shabbos And let's appreciate that we have the United States of America We can live in freedom and luxury and let's hope it lasts for a while. Friday morning broadcast, my thanks to Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. With us, Friday's weekly update here at JMDM. Again, we'll let you know during the week if there'll be a Thanksgiving weekend weekly update or not. If not, then obviously you'll hear it during Hanukkah. Candle lighting at 414 in New York on this Erev Shabbos parshas Vayishlach, And I thank all of you for tuning in and being part of this amazing radio experience, Mark Zomick and the Arab Shabbos show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, is coming up today at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Followed by the Arab Shabbos music mix, uh, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Uh, the final hour at about the 3:15 Eastern Time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the N S N Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away at any point during the show. Don't forget that Matis has J M Sunday this coming Sunday beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Always an amazing live show. And Avrami with Thurby Eliezer's Wickler tomorrow night with Saturday Night Seagull beginning at 9 p.m. It is amazing to see as I watch what happens on our network. It's amazing to see how many people are taking advantage of our great weekend programming and starting their week off in a fun and wonderful way uh, with those two programs. This time each and every Friday, every hour of Shabbos with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shumri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey. To address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good
12: morning, Nachum. Good erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas VaYishlach. Parshas VaYishlach is the parsha that Rav Salavichik of Racha called the parsha of confrontation, and indeed, Yaakov confronts Esav, or, as we will see each and every Jew confronts his environment and especially his esav, the negative aspects of one's environment. And there is that wrestling that Yaakov does, which we'll speak about in a few moments, and indeed each and every one of us in our own way. The parasha begins with the extensive gift that Yaakov gives to appease his brother who he has not seen in 34 years. And Yaakov is afraid, as the Beis HaLevi explains Mi'yad Ochi, my brother Esav might act in a brotherly fashion to me and I'm afraid of the potential assimilation between his family and mine, or God forbid Mead Esav that Esav might be coming to harm me and my family. So we find that Yaakov passes his family over the uh, river. Okay. Uh, And what do we have? The Ford of Yabok. Okay. Now, they cross over a stream, he and his possessions. The Torah tells us, voser Yaakov, levado. Yaakov was left alone. According to the rabbis, he went back for Pachim Ketanim, for what you would even consider maybe insignificant, small things that people might leave behind when they travel. And even that Yaakov wanted to get, and the rabbis say in a positive way because he valued everything that God had given him, realizing that it came from Hashem. And what happens next is, Yaakov <speaking> levado. <in Hebrew> Yaakov was left alone, ish <speaking> imo, <in Hebrew> and a man wrestled with him, Sashahar, <speaking in Hebrew> until the break of dawn. Okay. And what happens is, in this process, we are taught that Yaakov was injured and the hip socket was dislocated. And as a result of this, while Yaakov does prevail in the end, and the Torah tells us that by Yisrach, Lo Hashemesh, that the sun rose for him as Rashi says, to heal him, he was limping on his hip, and therefore the Torah says the Jewish people are not to eat the Gid HaNoshe, the displaced sinew, on the hip socket, to this day, because Yaakov was wounded at the site of the Gid HaNoshe. Now, first thing, I'd like to present two different explanations as to why we do not eat the gitonah. And let us understand something. This is the third and last mitzvah in the book of Bereshit. In the entire book of Bereshit, there are three mitzvahs. First one of Pur-Vu, procreation, the second one circumcision brismila, and the third to abstain from eating the gitonah. First, I'd like to present the Chizkuni. Now, the Rashbam writes, why was Yaakov alone? According to the Rashbam, Yaakov wanted to run away and avoid the confrontation with Esav altogether. And therefore, the Chizkuni writes, Al lo therefore the Jewish people are not to eat the Giranoshe. Bidinu, this is truly correct. Sheyesh Liknos, that there should be a knas, a fine, vile onosh, and a punishment to Yaakov's children, that we should abstain from eating the Giranoshe because they left their father alone. Yaakov had at this time 11 sons, one daughter, and they should have waited for their father. They should have helped their father if he needed any help. And they didn't do this levoyah. They didn't do this escorting. And therefore, Yaakov was injured because of them, because of his being alone. Umikan elech from here on in, writes the Chizkuni, Yelohem lozecher, this will be a remembrance. They use the reason, and they'll be especially careful in the mitzvah of Lavoya, of escorting someone. And therefore, he writes, Levo Yaakov es Yosef. For this reason, Yaakov escorts in next week's parasha, Yosef when he sends him to see how his brothers are doing with their flock. So, this is one reason why we abstain from the Gideon nothing less than a punishment and a reminder to us that no Jew should be left behind. A reminder to us that we are responsible one for another. We don't only take care of ourselves. And the Chizkuni says further, he had incredibly broad shoulders. Listen to this. Why was Yaakov hit in the Kaf Yerech by the hip? Avopi even though God had promised him in last week's parsha, you remember, by that incredible dream, angels going up, angels coming down, God at the top of the ladder, and what does Hashem say to him? Ushmarticha, Yaakov, don't worry, I'm taking out an insurance policy for you, and I will watch and guard you b'chol asher Now, you ready? Watch this. Unfortunately, Yaakov, was afraid of Esav, as it says, Vayira Yaakov Ma'od, he was exceedingly afraid, and therefore, because he tried to run away, he was hit in the area of the foot, high in the hip area, preventing him from doing just that. And we find, he says, by Moshe Rabbeinu, that even though Moshe was promised by the snare, three words, Hakurish Baruch Hu said, I will be with you, because Moshe didn't have complete and total trust. The malach injured him at the Malone, at the inn, when they stopped at the time of circumcision, because he was afraid to go to Paro, as it is written, that Moshe says to Hashem, Send somebody else. This is one approach. I'd like to share with you, however, the chinuch himself, as to why we abstain from eating the gid hanosher, and he writes in mitzvah three, if you don't have the chinuch, if you're comfortable in the Hebrew, fine. If not, there's a five-volume tradition, excuse me, translation of the chinuch and mitzvah three, not to eat the sinew of the thigh vein. Listen carefully. He writes beautifully. What is the shoresh? What is the root? What is the reason behind this mitzvah? It is to teach the Jewish nation that they will, in the future, endure great tribulations in the exiles at the hands of the nations and by the descendants of Esau. But even though that's going to happen, they should remain assured that they will never, God forbid, perish, but that their progeny, their children, their name will endure forever, and a Redeemer will come and deliver them from the oppressor's hand. In other words, this is a shot of imuna, This is a shot, an injection of bitochon, of assurance, remembering this matter always through the mitzvah of the Gira will serve them as a reminder and they will stand firm in their faith and righteousness forever. The fact that we are proud Jews and the fact that we are assured every day we wait as we'll see in a moment for Moshiach and therefore says the Chinuch. He continues that this hint is based upon the Midrash, that the angel who fought with Yaakov, the Ish, was the, the guardian angel of Esav. And he wanted to remove Yaakov from the world, both him and his children. But he was unable to prevail against Yaakov. He pained him, however, by touching his thigh. Therefore, the descendants of Esau inflict pain and suffering on the descendants of Yaakov. As Rashi brings on the pasuk that when the two of them meet, Yaakov and Esau finally, vayishalkehu. Esau kisses him. And you'll notice in every Chumash, in every Torah, there are nekudos, there are dots over the word vayishalkehu when he kissed him. Because as Rashi brings that Halacha, in the name of Rav Shimon Bar Yochoi. Halacha, it's built into nature. Esav son Yaakov, that Esav has a hatred for Jacob and his people. And he wants to do us harm. But, Hakurish Baruch as we say at the Pesach Seder, HaShem saves us from their evil intent and desire, and ultimately, Klai Yisrael, the Jewish people, will be rescued from them, as Yaakov was, that the Torah says, Vayizrach lo Hashemesh, the sun rose for him to heal him, and he was delivered from the pain. Here comes the punchline. Says the Sefer Achinuch, so will the son of Mashiach shine for us. He will heal us from our suffering and redeem us. Amen. Kane Yehi Ratzon. May this be the will. bi amenu. Quickly, speedily, in our days. What is there to add? Just one thing. I believe that each and every one of us should understand. Take the name Yaakov out of the Torah, and when it says VaYivaser Yaakov Livado, put your name in. There are times when each and every one of us goes through trials and tribulations in our life. And the Torah is therefore speaking to each and every one of us personally and saying that not just should we take from this chapter in our history, that ultimately the destiny for the Jewish people is going to be good. There's going to be a Moshiach and there's going to be a Geulah for the Jewish people, but even on a personal note as well. The cup is always either or half empty and we focus on the issues and the negativity and the problems that we have or, no, we recognize that the cup is half full. And even when things are challenging and problematic, I believe that this is all from a Baruch Hu and he knows what's best. And ultimately, I will see, please God, soon as we find by Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem says that you will see after and with time. Ah, oh, you were, forgive me. Fired from a job, you were broken, only to find years later that because of that, what other opportunities came, and look how your life took on a different course. Be careful when you make decisions and thinking that oh yeah yeah what's happening. Just remember, nothing happens by chance. This is an incredible injection of emuna and vitochon. But Ophan in a national fashion, we're on the winning team. We're going to make it to the finish line, but also on a most personal note as well. Wow, what a powerful, optimistic way to go in to Parshas Vaishlach. Shabbat Shalom to all.
2: Whoa. Cut twenty me O Katainti inti mi koya khasadim o mi ko paeme sa sherosis sa unda khive makli owati sa ya deil no aci no hacile hey <laughs>
1: lem levadoi hashem vadoy yoy levadoi ba hay mahu knizgav hashem levadoi hashem vadoy yoy levadoi ba hay mahu knizgav hashem levadoi ba hay mahu ba hay mahu hashem levadoi ba hay mahu knizgav hashem levadoi ba hay mahu ba mahu hashem levadoi ba mahu the Babayo, Mahu, Baay Mahu, Ashend the Babayo, Mahu, the knees of the Babayo, Mahu, Ashend the Babayo, Mahu, the knees of the Shay, Ashend the Babayo, the Babayo, the knees of the Shay, Ashend the Babayo, the Babayo, the knees of the Shay, Ashend the Nizga wash and the Vande Bahayo, Mahu, the Vande Mahu. Nizga wash Mahu, Bahayo, Mahu, the Mahu. The the Mahu, Mahu, The Nizga
0: All right, that's one of the Veniskovs we could play today. Uh, there are others we could get in, I'm sure. Uh, before that, Katonti, Ari Goldwag, uh, here at JMN. Friday morning, Ariv Shabbos on this Parsha's by Candle lighting at 4.14. It's soon. Uh, make sure you know when things start where you are, of course. 4.14 is pretty early in the New York area, and we want to make sure everybody knows what time to start Shabbos, so make sure you know when things start where you are. And... Um, And get it all done before the Shabbos deadline. What can I tell you? That's always the goal, right? That's always the goal. JM and the AM, reminder this coming Sunday, it's Matas with JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern, it's uh, Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler for the um, Saturday Night Seagull program. All day today, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. We have our Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek. We have our Arab Shabbos music mix, and, of course, the final hour coming up at about 3.15 which is always a big treat, and I uh, I thank Mark Zamek for curating all of it for doing a remarkable job on the uh, on the Arab Shabbos show, which is um, getting more and more popular every single week and for good reason. More coming up. You're listening to J M in the A M.
2: Sicharub, Kumbus beken sich die Mut im Kappen. Es kim tober Shabbis, alles stellt sich up. Dicky die Chemiken in die Liften tappen. Luchu doi di le kraskalu. shabos wei Shabbos ne The Lord a good thing. The vi is not a good thing. di Lord is not a good thing. The Lord is a Es die taxtisch hin und besser finde ich die ganze Mischbuche nach der Schabestech der kann er sich in die Kinderleicht mit nehmen du gut du in die Glaskalou denn allaisha was ne gabelou du gut du in die Glaskalou denn allaisha the guy
0: Winery Brothers, Friday morning, Shabbos, J.M. in the A.M. Candle lighting 414 in New York. Reminder, our friends at Artscroll, major discount plus free shipping when you use promo code radio. There's a lot of great Artscroll products you want to get now before Hanukkah. Keep that in mind. You know the rule, always use promo code radio. At artscroll.com. Simple as that. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at AH. Abels and Hyman have such delicious and incredible offerings. As you visit your supermarket or massive kosher store before Shabbos, check out the A&H display. You'll be impressed by all the delicious items. And you can save 10% at kosherdogs.net with promo code radio. Try AH today. You'll be glad you did. That I can assure you. Time to say good Shabbos. Journeys, JM in the AM.
2: Israel and My brothers
0: and sisters in Israel We are with you It's your favorite America's One and only Jewish Moments In the Morning Radio program Heard on listener Sponsored digital radio Around the world of Achim Seel.com and Network And of course On the beloved NSN app up an amazing Friday thanks so much for joining us everybody and for the entire week much appreciated and again thanks to Mayor Ferdig for sitting in Monday and Avrami for sitting in part of Tuesday while I was uh, in and then heading back from the Holy Land uh, Monday we're back starting at 6 a.m. and of course you know all about the great weekend programming tomorrow night it's uh, Avrami with Saturday Night Seagull with Herbie Eliezer Wickler starting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time is 7 a.m. Eastern Time Sunday with JM Sunday live from our New Jersey studios and of course, Mark Zomick controls Friday as well. He should. Arab um, Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people like Kedem starts at 10 a.m. Arab Shabbos music mix brought to you by the wonderful people like Kedem, and of course, our final hour. Have a phenomenal Shabbos, wonderful weekend until Monday. And single reminding you: remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.